Hello, everybody. Welcome to our percentile bias. I'm Steve, sometimes Rick, always Rick Stevens, PI on that other thing. What is it? Twitter. 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 That's Emily. That's John. And we are joined tonight by our favorite creator, Paul Vincent Rudolph, PV, Hello. to all the people that know him. How are you doing, PV? I'm doing all right. Thanks right. for uh, having me on board. Thanks for joining us. So we just realized right before the stream mm -hmm. that it was almost exactly a year ago. Mm -hmm. that Yeah, we, we timed this out really well. Was, so we have determined that this will now be officially named our second annual PV interview. Exactly. So, all right. <laughs> so PV, tell everybody uh, who you are, where they can find you. Let's get that stuff out of the way, and then let's start talking about Street Wolves. Uh, PV or Vincent or Paul Vincent or Paul, whatever you want to call me, it doesn't matter. Um, I am a TTRPG creator. I made Street Wolves as our two of our shirts <laughs> indicate that yeah. uh, we like it. Um, yours uh, yours on... is easier to read. Mine is like... Yeah. You gotta <laughs> so, go with the purple. Yeah, well, no. I mean, uh, the contrast is fine. It's the terrain mine has to cover. <laughs> 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 difficult. Well, you know, you can always order another one. There we go. <laughs> nice plug. So smooth. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at, you know, Tablecat Games or the website tablecatgames.com, uh, Instagram, pretty much anywhere except like TikTok because I'm too old for that. Um, <laughs> but. Anywhere the old folks are, I'm on Steve Facebook. quietly deletes his TikTok app. <laughs> <laughs> Too old. I just, like, this is how much I like you guys, is you're the first live thing I've done. So, just so you know. Wow. You're special. Yeah, and so a year ago, you were the first interview we ever did. And I believe this was the first, a uh, year ago was the first interview you ever gave. Is that true? Aside from job interviews, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is much more stressful. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It's amazing how far we've both come in a year. Mm -hmm. Like, you have gone leaps and bounds in the, the TTRB, TTRPG creating. Um, and we've taken, like, one, maybe one and a half baby steps yeah. <laughs> forward. We still can't figure out how to start a stream. No. But... Do you remember how much angst there was in that first interview? Like, I had three pages of notes. We had a call oh, a week ahead of time. He was and... so stressed. <laughs> so stressed. He was like, I don't oh, have enough didn't come across at all. I thought you were professionals and you had done it a bunch of times. I, I didn't pick up on that at all. I did like the pre-interview, though, which was really cool. So, you know, like... I didn't need one this time because I pretty much, you know, we've played games together. I've played with Emily Wright uh, mm -hmm. t once or twice now. I think twice now. It's hard twice to keep track. Maybe. Yeah. And then, you know, Rick slash Steve, uh, you've been at my table a bunch of times. So full disclosure, everyone listening that, you know, uh, they may be a little biased because we all know each other. <laughs> Uh, jokes on you. The people I like the most, I'm the hardest on. <laughs> <gasps> oh, no. Just ask either this one of these This is going to be that gotcha interview then. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, 
full disclosure, a year ago, we had not sat at the same table before and played games together before. But yeah. uh, I had just recently gotten on Twitter, and two things jumped out at me immediately on Twitter. One was Terry Smith, Crossroad Games, was hyping up uh, uh, Deadlands. And yeah. you were starting to hype up Street Wolves, this Neo, not Neo, uh, retro futuristic eighties synth wave thing. I'm like, dude, that is my sweet spot. I can tell you exactly what I was doing in 1987 because <laughs> um, I was there. You wouldn't understand. I would not. I was not alive. <laughs> I was there too, but I was smaller. So in stature. Uh, I was just like psyched about the game, and then when the 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 jump start came out jumped on it and we ended up playing it i think we were the first actual play of one of your jump start uh, i often say that i know and i appreciate that and I thought, i'm sure it helps you none <laughs> <laughs> i put it helps uh, us. i think it's on my if you go to the <clears throat> games itch for street wolves i believe it's embedded now there so i put the crossroad games uh, AP on there and then the percentile voice one on there. So if somebody's just looking at the itch page, they can play either one and get an idea. See, it's really helpful nice. to, and I would say this to, you know, any fellow creator out there, if you can get an AP done, you know, help promote it because it promotes your work too, you know. And then you put your link on, put the link on your website so people are thinking, hmm, do I want this game or not? They can go watch somebody play it real quick. <clears throat> But if, if you do a bad job, then I'm tanked. So. Right, then you don't put a <laughs> link on your website. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people have, uh, I say a lot, there have been several actual plays of Street Wolves mm -hmm. uh, since that time. So uh, which one is your favorite and why is it percentile ice? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I always say that I really enjoyed yours because it stuck more to the uh, real personal nitty gritty, it, especially with just two of you being investigators, it felt more like that kind of cop show thing. Uh, so it was more along the lines of Miami Vice. That's why I really liked it about it is it didn't really go super over the top or anything. It was, more and plus you also did the the included adventure of the jump start so that's also really handy too because then it you know if a gm wants to see well what is this going to be like then they can watch it and see people go through it so i, I just want to tell you how big of an impact street wolves had that me and John play a game, we play Call of Duty, like in our spare time, and there is a skin for like a vehicle, like it's an old style Jeep, that is like purple with like streaks of like pink and yellow, like very synthwave. And John bought it and he's like, Street Wolves, and he refused to change it for months. He got a <laughs> new skin awesome. the other day, he was like, I really like it, but I'd have to take off Street Wolves. And I was like, oh man, he's like, damn. <laughs> like months he used it. Like that's how much of an impact it had on John. That's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I do really enjoy the street level sort of feel to the game as compared to when you're playing something like Call of Cthulhu. It's like a universal threat. I kind of enjoy that yeah. Street Wolves brings it down and it is a little grittier and a little more personal. Oh, definitely. You could make it big if you wanted to, but my whole goal with 
the design and everything was it should be that lower level at least to start with for a long while if you want to have a campaign that builds and builds and builds that's okay but you know i really the thing you know even when i watch a superhero movie i like the superhero movies that aren't oh the, here's the big world ending thing it's you know the villain has some sort of plan but it's not to destroy the earth you know yeah. that's the yeah. kind of superhero thing i enjoy so so we started off with the jump start and then you spent some time adding to it all and really uh, putting a lot of heart and soul into the full core rule book that uh, recently came out when did it release pv uh see my memory so bad a day that february 2nd or something yeah it was i think it was february 2nd or somewhere along there it was early february oh no no it was uh, february 6th because i think that's when i had the I had the launch party for it. That so. is correct. I had mm -hmm. the notes over here. This was the gotcha part of the Yeah. Uh, oh, the you're, 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 like, trying to you're wrong. It was the sixth. <laughs> um, when the when the jump start came out, it was like amazing art, great adventure, oh, yeah. really good stuff in there. Uh, just the whole look and feel of the thing was amazing. It's just beautiful, right? And yeah. then the coral book came out, and you like took it up. A whole nother notch, right? Um, talk about some of the things you did uh, to visually make the book so appealing. I tried to be really focused on what the look was and how I could achieve it within the budget that I had. <laughs> so it was a lot of selective looking for stock elements and then trying to alter them to the idea i had of what it should look like in my mind and then it was also commissioning work from very talented artists that also could do that sort of thing you know working with them and giving them reference photos so if you go you know i don't know how you find people on pinterest but there is a table cat games pinterest out there that has a street wolves folder where i would just spend a lot of time you know grabbing items that I thought would fit that world and just dumping them into different categories. And then a lot of times I would share those images with artists. So that was, you know, one way I kind of kept on track for making it look cool is finding all these cool things. And then it was also looking into graphic design and, you know, what works in a book and looking at other uh, role-playing game books and, you know, just trying different things and, you know, hoping it worked. I got a little more creative towards the end where I would incorporate images and then have text going around them or text overlapping certain things. And I think going forward, I'm going to be doing a lot more of that. So that, that was really fun is growing as a graphic designer and discovering that you could kind of merge the visual elements with the, the text. And still make it readable. It's kind of convenient that you are so good at design because you didn't have to pay a designer and could put that money back into hiring the actual artists. So it worked out. Yeah, there. I will say there are better designers than me out there. I disagree. But oh, well, thank you very Aww. much. Uh, I'm going to start turning red. Uh, that's not a red light filter. It's, it's my face. Um, I think a lot of that was my 
practice as being a web designer and having some graphic design and doing some projects in the background and just trying to develop an eye for it and then applying that as I, I learned. So the jumpstart was really good because it was kind of like the practice run of how do I do this and have these certain components work. And then I just build on that with the uh, core book. I'll say though that when it comes time, and maybe we can talk about this later, like future plans, when it comes time to do the print run of Street Wolves, I kind of want to go in and redo a lot of it. So part of the the creating a, a print-ready PDF would also be uh, doing a bit of moving things around, making it look even better based on what I've learned since then. So. And so the book is... I mean, the beauty is there, right? Just the, the dark look to it, the contrast of the color. So beauty, nailed it. But also, you put a lot of work into utility, right? I love having a book in my hand when I'm reading and learning a game. When I go to play the game, I love having the PDF because I can quickly search it and find a rule while we're playing rather than flipping through pages. So I like having both. Yeah. But you've made that PDF very, I don't even know what the right term for it is. In my mind, it's very interactive, right? I can go to the table of contents, click on a chapter, boom, it takes me to that. You've got the listings on the sides of the, the pages of the book, um, kind of like tabbed out, and I can click on one of those tabs and it'll immediately jump uh, to the place that I'm looking at. It's very... Integrated, um, user-friendly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that looked like it was a lot of work, maybe. Well, the... So... That kind of came out of my web design thing where I do a lot of user interface and UX and that sort of thing, but also stealing from other creators. So uh, <laughs> Titan Effect had those little tabs on it, and I thought, that's a great idea. I'm going to take that. And then so there was that, and then you you learned that you could do internal linking, so might as well put links you know, on your table of contents to just get you th somewhere. And then... Um, I did put bookmarks in the PDF after release because, and this is, here's a scoop. I was looking at the Savage Battle Worlds listing on DriveThruRPG and somebody was really complaining about there not being bookmarks. And I thought, oh no, I should add bookmarks because I don't want somebody <laughs> <Noted>. to know <complain." laughs> Yeah. So then I went in and I learned how to do those. And then I added them. I, I think I added them to the Jumpstart. Maybe, I don't remember exactly, but I, I did add them and uh, uploaded it with bookmarks. So anything that can be helpful, I'm trying to implement. I would love to have an index at the end, but I still haven't quite learned how to do that yet. Indexes so. are a nightmare. Like any book I've seen, like indexes are either awesome or terrible. And that's why I'm, I'm a little worried about because like at least with the electronic version you have these other tools right. and then control find or you know control F but um, you know when it comes to the print I may need one. Yeah. So. Alright so oh, almost somewhere in the neighborhood of six weeks ago the full core rule book came out and you have already hit copper bestseller on drive through RPG. That's not the only place, though, it's available, right? They can get it in several places. So you can get it on my site, my my own website. Um, that version, you can just buy it. And uh, I'm kind of working out now how to 
give people updates a little bit easier if they buy from that website. And it seems like the people that buy from my website are people that know me more. I don't know how to say that. It's it's usually people that are like friends or, or something. They want to support me. They'll buy it directly yeah. from the website. But I figured now that um, I think I'm going to try to implement giving everyone that buys from the website a free copy on itch so they can just get the uh, updates. Um, and speaking of itch, you can get on itch and i love itch they take almost no money out of your pocket and the drive through rpg on the other hand takes a big chunk yeah so um even though the site's cool from the user perspective as at least being able to have a library of stuff and being able to find because itch has a lot of problems i'll say from a user where the discoverability is horrible like there's no you like this you might like this their search doesn't isn't very good so you know I, i'm sorry this is turning into a rant but that's fine so one thing i discovered was drive throughs good here's for ttrpg creators out there at least for me drive through seems to be good for a long tail effect where it's out and people will find it and they'll get it whereas itch in my website is just that initial group of people that like you and your thing right. they'll hit it get it and then nobody's going to discover it really randomly on those sites it's probably going to be on drive-through so yeah so it's just for people who are looking specifically for your product drive through seems to be the way yeah people who might discover it on their own through other stuff yeah i get you they might buy you know something comparable right i just said you know titan effect or uh savage battle lords you know it'll say on the bottom people who you bought this you might you know other people bought these other things uh and i'm still which is nice if you go to drive through and you click on the rules of savage worlds and you look at the hottest savage worlds titles i was at least number seven on that list but that's another place that you can discover it right if i'm in a savage worlds and i'm on this site you know, it doesn't really have, it has like a popular and a new tab, but it doesn't really have like these recommendations. So I'm really taking itch to task now, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is great. Like I could tell you from a user standpoint, the only time I go to itch is when there is a creator who's created something that I want yeah, to go same. get and they have provided me with a link. And I click that link and go straight. To, I've I've never searched around on itch because I've only clicked a link that took me right to the product that I wanted to buy. So, and what I'm trying to do as a creator is on the bottom of itch, or I'm on the Tablecat Games page. There's the collections that I own. So I'm trying to put in other creators I like. There's stuff there. So if you just happen to see my thing, maybe you'll buy something from them. Right. But creating your own discoverability. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so so the game, set in the 80s, retro-futuristic, right? What does that mean? Because they sound like competing terms. Uh, so it takes place in 87, but there's things in it that aren't of the 80s exactly. So, you know, I always say video phones and VR are probably the most obvious things uh, because, you know, VR didn't really... It became this big thing in the 90s, even though it barely worked and it was super expensive. But it was in all the TV shows and Lawnmower Man and all those things. So I kind of 
instead of being in the 90s, I put that in the late 80s with the mind that technology is kind of moving forward a little bit quicker. But there's other stuff in there that, you know, I, I might not have really emphasized too much, but like GPS or, or those kinds of systems that, you know, they were, you know, almost nobody had them. But, you know, in this world, maybe somebody might have something a little more complicated, like a heads up display in their car or something like that. Awesome. So looking looking through the, the core book, right? So this setting, it's 80s. It's got a very Miami Vice feel. But, and I think that what adds to that is the whole uh, vapor concept, yeah. right? Certain cities, because of some kind of accident, could have been terrorism, could have been industrial accident, but a number of major cities around the, the world have this glowy, pastel-like colors. They vary uh, of vapor that, that kind of surrounds the city. Um, kind of adds to the whole look and feel of the world. And there's a lot of things throughout the book where you are trying, it seems you are trying to just build that synth wave, Miami Vice type vibe. Um, the ones that, that I really want to talk about, though, is throughout the book, you give suggestions for songs that folks could use <laughs> while playing the game. Such a uh, nice touch. It, so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so, so talk about that, because I was as surprised as I went through there. Like, I'm reading the adventure in the, in the book. Uh, at the very tail end of the book, there's a, another added adventure. and Like, right there. Here, here's some songs you could play during this thing. I want to talk more about montages in a minute, but you mentioned songs again when you talk about montages. So um, what was what was the feeling there as you were putting it all together? Um, and did you have to do a lot of searching out there for songs, or did you just have a bunch of 80 songs stuck in your head? A little of both. So uh, obviously I'm a child of the 80s, so I listened to these songs 10 billion times because you know, you'd, you'd be in the car with your mom or dad or whatever. And it's just their the top 40 radio is always playing these songs. So they just get ingrained in you. But um, I think a lot of it is I enjoy having a more interactive thing with sound effects and music when I do GMing. Mm -hmm. And I like to set a certain mood. And so the feelings I feel when I'm hearing a certain song i think oh well maybe i can recommend that song you know for this particular thing and also it ties into that miami vice thing is miami vice was a very musical show like there's so many songs and it's still amazing to me that and i, I won't make this whole thing about miami vice i really apologize <laughs> um it's amazing to me that they can still release it on different platforms with all the original music because it's all almost all of it's like triple a music yeah. titles it's surprising they have the licensing in order to do that you know some shows they put out and they change all the music because they couldn't get i don't know follow-up boy or whatever um but there's you know all these classic songs and they really feed into the mood of the show and because you'd mentioned the vapor and stuff everything i did was try to reinforce the vibes of the setting oh my monitor is going to turn off automatically if i don't click a button here okay um <laughs> all right so uh if 
music was part of that. So watching Miami Vice and they have that um, Phil Collins song when they're driving in their car and they're about to like do something dangerous. I want that at a table if possible. So I'm going to arm you with songs that maybe you can use. And a lot of it I found on my own, but some of it on my Discord, I have a Street Wolves Vibes channel. Or is that what it's called, a channel? But thread, whatever. Uh, and people can share music, and sometimes people would share songs they found. And, you know, uh, a pal of mine, Jack, would sometimes share, you know, some sort of synthy song. Just like, oh, that's a really good one. I'm going to add that to the playlist. And so a lot of these songs I would just... I have a big Street Wolves playlist on Spotify and you know, you can just, I think you can just find if you search for Street Wolves on Spotify, you should be able to find it. And there's just a ton of songs. It's both modern synth wave and pop songs. And there's some rap and there's some metal and just kind of a big mix of all the songs that has run through my head as I've designed the game and thought a lot about it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think I got you off on uh, Miami Vice there. I apologize. But you know what? Yeah. <laughs> when I look at things like the the vehicles in the book, um, I think about like Knight Rider. Uh, you know, when I look at some of the weapons and things you put in the book, it reminds me of A-Team, right? There are a lot of different 80s shows that I could I just feel influences of when I look through the book. Sure, there's, there's some of those things come into the book but that's one thing i always have to tell people is it's not the 80s game like it's not gonna be a super intelligent supercar it's not there's a lot of things that kind of overlap a little bit but a lot of my work was to try to narrow the focus of the game so if you want to have a knight rider type thing you could because it's very convenient to set up a game like that. And I actually suggested if there's a section on how to run the game where it talks about, you can have it like like how I have it set up where there's a wolf pack and they get missions and blah, blah, blah. Or you can have it as a corporate sponsor, which would be like basically Night Industries from Knight Rider. Or you could do it kind of like A-Team or the TV show Renegade where they're on their own and they're just driving around from city to city or getting calls or like even the equalizers like that. He's just a guy that he gets requests for help. He doesn't really work for anybody. So I don't know if that answers your questions or not, but yeah, there's like a lot, like a dash of almost everything in there. Yeah. There's a bunch of different elements you put in there that created this whole aesthetic. And, uh, you know, I would try to point page into a corner with any particular, um, TV shows or whatever. I'm just the kind of things that that the book uh, evokes in me and, and the memories I have from back. Then. I will say, I will say a future adventure uh, that I want to release on its own would be basically very heavily inspired by Airwolf, where where you go and <clears throat> steal a super helicopter. Well, I guess like Blue Thunder was like that too. Um, so, you know, I, I talk about, well, it's not it's not these 80s shows, but then I'll probably release an adventure later on that's basically <laughs> but one like, of those 80s shows. With those sprinkling 
of just a touch the flavor of some of those shows it helps like people like me who was not alive in the 80s all i have is the tv shows to draw from (laughs) no other context so it helped me play the game because i was like no wait i've seen that show (laughs) i know how this that's one reason why i think the music suggestions are important definitely because you might not know any of those songs right no i was raised right i know those songs well you (laughs) were but (laughs) i was raised well Oh, but yeah. Wow. Aww. <laughs> All right. So you you mentioned like the way you run games, right? And I've I've sat at your table, and you're very heavy on uh, sound effects and music, and it really makes a, a cool, immersive experience. Um, love sitting at a table with you because of, of the effort that you put in there, but. This you, is how you get more invites. Right, so. yeah, I'm I sucking up like crazy right now. But as I read through the book, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you have put a whole bunch, look, a lot of TTRPGs will, will lay out the setting and they'll lay out the rules, uh, you know, and then there'll be a small little section on, hey, now go play the game. But throughout this book, you've got things that are very helpful uh, for a, a GM on how to go about certain getting after certain things, right? We already talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, the music, but that section in the book on cold opens is just a genius, I think, right? So well, <laughs> talk about it. Well, I'll just say that I feel like some people might be really against that sort of thing because they're really against metagaming. Or, or the, so the way I went about it was... I wanted to let you have access to a tool in a TV show's toolbox, but also in a way that keeps it real short and simple where it doesn't dominate the game or bore players or something like, you know, I keep saying, I think I say like a dozen times, just keep it short, right? Just don't, don't spend all day on this. Just have like a couple lines and then, you know, and then I, I did the uh, looking at cold opens on TV shows and the, try to put them in different types. You know, you can have like, uh, and it's been a while since I've read my own book. So you, yeah, I remember exactly what they all are now. But, it's worth a second um, read. You should go back through it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the mysterious, a mysterious stranger one where like you have a bad guy show up and, and they are something's up with them and you don't know and it just kind of proves that they're a badass and you could just do that in a paragraph or two to your player just set a scene tell this tiny little micro story and then yes they'll know that there's a bad guy after them but that's cool because it's like how a show that you know you're a part of the show but you're also we're all aware we're playing a game yeah. You know, if you should be able to separate the fact that, you know, that you're not that character. So, you know, I, I trust that a lot of groups are able to kind of keep that metagaming separate in their minds of while being scared, potentially scared of that, you know, dangerous person coming for them, but then acting like their characters don't know about it. Right. At least, you know, I've played a few games, you know, with my own table that they're really good at that sort of thing. So I hopefully other tables can, too, you know. They don't immediately start like 
building up their defenses. And saying, right. We know what guy's coming for We're us. Getting right. nuke. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, you lay out several different ways. Like so, so Emily and John, right, we could be sitting down to play a game. You got your characters built up. They're agents or the wolf pack, and they're and they're ready to go. But before we actually get into the game, I just draw this little picture for you that you know, it's a uh, it's a uh, Central City Park. There's uh, two feet sticking out of the bushes that um, a, a jogger walks by. He stops. He he looks in, and, and there's the body, throat cut from ear to ear, and uh, a playing card, the Ace of Spades, laying on his chest. That's I feel it. like. Right, and then and, and then, then I go back to you. I just made all that up on the spot. It was amazing. I know. Bravo! I was expecting Law and Order SVU to pop in play. any minute. I was gonna say you hit play on your your game's theme song. Right. Right. Boom. Dun, dun, ba, do, do, you hit them with do. it, right. and then you can start the game. And it's perfect. Like it's really cool, and you know another thing I suggest it's is a sneaky like, hook, know, right? It's yeah. Like, or giving a couple lines to your players to read, like jogger one, jogger two. You know that kind of thing. It just it gets it gets it's hard the first couple like sessions to feel like immersed in the game and I feel like that kind of tactic is almost like a shock treatment like bam you're here now <laughs> and it feel like it just pushes you into that situation. Right. So we cut over to you guys. You're nowhere near the park. You're nowhere near the body. But now if I'm trying to put, you know I've already set this little hook right. Yeah. You know part of the hard part of play, playing these games is getting the players to, to take to the take hook. the hook in. but when you're sitting there no matter what happens when i say okay here we are at wolfpack headquarters you're thinking eventually we're going to get around to that body with the ace of spades behind the bushes so i, I really like the idea and then you oh, give yeah. like several tables and examples and suggestions of the different types of cold opens what do you think, Em? Yeah. I think it's amazing. And, uh, you know, we have my actual play, and now I'm trying to think of ways that I can um, <laughs> use that on you guys. Because I use montages in my game already. When it's like, nothing important is going to happen, but I want you to get the vibe of what's going on, and we're going to cut to the whole next day. Like, I use montages, but cold ups, i, I got to find a way to use that, because it's really cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I use them uh, when testing Street Wolves pretty early on. So, um there's an adventure that was going to be the included adventure, but I swapped it out because it was way too long and complicated, and it'll probably see the light of day some other time, but it involves basically bad guys showing up to kidnap a person. So the players, they'll know that the person, something happened to them. They don't. They know bad guys showed up to their door, but they don't know what. Right. Right. So when they go to the apartment, the oh, that is the apartment from the cold open. Let's figure out if they're alive or dead or what. So, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> so, you got something, John? Look like you're about to say something. Not necessarily about that. Go for it. But I was going to change subjects anyway. You go. Yeah. Okay. The you mentioned earlier the concept of vapor, and I enjoyed how when you were talking about it on the Reckless Attack podcast, you mentioned that it was sort of. You were looking at these album covers and trying to figure out how do I get my game to look like this. I really enjoyed that. But I also enjoyed the way that mechanically it's very subtle. It can be a little more, you know, you could ramp it up if you wanted to, but it doesn't take away from the street level feel of it. And I thought it was pretty brilliant how you put that in there and... It gives it another angle and doesn't 
take away from the overall feel of things as being, you know, still kind of a detective thing, not... yeah. So this overpowering yeah. like yeah. ethereal force above your your head. It's it's. Did you ever atmosphere. worry about it being a little op when you were I coming was up with it? I worried about it be dominating the game because I at first I just wanted it to be the you know investigative heroes on the edge kind of stuff. But then I thought, well, there may be people out there that want a little more oomph or some sort of cool magical thing or something. And how do I accommodate for that? And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense to, if I included that sort of thing, then I'm going to put it in a box of sorts of, well, here's the thing, but here are all the drawbacks that go along with it. Right. So if you pick, and I actually commented on a Reddit thing, somebody was talking about, they were nervous about, all their players wanting to be vapor enhanced or whatever. And I said, yeah, that, but as a GM, if you tell them, well, here's the negatives, you, it's hard to use in the day. It's hard to use outside of the city. You have to be covered up in the sunlight. You know, there's going to be people looking for you that want to experiment on you or use you as a tool or something. So there's these guardrails on it to kind of, make it so it doesn't become an x-men game or right you know something like that where and it, you know i've had a lot of tests i don't know how many people like dozens of people have played it with me and you know only like three or four have ever really wanted to do the vapor thing and they fed into it really well where um a lot of times they were kind of scared of what they were or they were in reserve they didn't really use it because they knew that it brings attention and that sort of thing. So, I mean, that uh, another example, I guess I would say is uh, I used kind of the Jedi in, you know, I love Star Wars, the Jedi in the Rebellion era where when we would play Star Wars, the RPG, maybe one of the players or two maybe would be Jedi. But not everyone wants to do that, first of all. Someone just want to be a hand solo. And then also, if you're a GM that enforces, okay, well, the Empire is really going to come looking for you as soon as you bust out that lightsaber. It's, and again, you know, you're kind of putting guardrails on it where it's like, I don't know if I want to be hunted. You know, like, maybe you have a bounty on my head, but not, like, for extermination <laughs> yeah. because I can make There's things some checks and or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to have to worry every time a door opens. Is that the Inquisitor? Yeah, right. So this was more, you know, I think with those, you know, and a GM could just say, well, that's not even in my setting. That's fine. It's up to them. But I feel like I have enough checks and balances in here where it's not going to dominate the entire game. Right. And you can get rid of some of that stuff, but it's at like higher levels. So, you know, if you've been playing a while, you can use your powers during the daytime, no problem, right? But you've had to, you know, invest in your advances, one of your advances to do that. So, yeah, one of the play tests that uh, I was fortunate enough to, to do with you, I put uh, the vapor thing in my head, trying to, and I think I just had a, a white haired. Pale skin, um, 
and really we were really low level so there was nothing real op about the vapor sickness that the, the vapor poisoning this guy had but uh for role playing, like I needed to have my sunglasses on, we went outside during the day. I really enjoyed it. Um, but speaking of the the play testing, I, I got a little bit of a PTSD trigger when I scrolled to the end of the book and found that ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah, that I tried to kill you with. You did. Spoilers for anybody who has spoilers. Yeah, but the only spoiler is there's an ice cream truck. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, they yeah. tried to kill him. It did. He almost got yeah. iced. It was really, really close. Um, and I've never seen you more disappointed in, in, in all the time I've known <laughs> you, so PV. <laughs> you really wanted to kill us, but we. Escaped. I'm not a guy that likes to TPK, but if it's a during testing, uh, play testing, you yeah, know, and it's a one game. shot. Who cares? I'm gonna right. kill you if I can. So, so that that look, I, I loved the game. I loved it on the jump start. I loved it from the concept when you hadn't even released the jump start yet. And I really love what you have done with it. So, Can I take a minute? Just yeah. one more thing. So one more thing about vapor. I will say that the advantage to being vapor, uh, poisoned or enhanced or whatever, is and this is a tip for all the players out there is that if you're on an investigation and you're walking around and you can't have your big machine gun with you, if you can do like a blast that, you know, melts people, just, just, you know, no problem. That's a good thing to have. So like the, the person with the big machine gun, it was like, ah, oh, it's back in the car. It's like, well, you've already got that with your, you know, powerful burst of energy or whatever. So that that is the the one big advantage of the vapor powered player is you're always packing yeah you're always packing <laughs> yeah. heat so i just just wanted... make sure nobody sees it right <laughs> secret to so i want to i want to just read this incredible review that you got on drive through rpg so the people watching this will understand it's not just uh me and the percentile vice crew geeking out over your product. Okay, so, so you didn't write this review? I did not. This okay. is Knox S., a verified purchaser, by the way. I've been really interested in this product ever since I saw the Jumpstart. Now, with the fully re released version, I can say this book delivers. Great setting, great setting rules. My favorite being the drive mechanic and your character relationships and downtown mechanics, which this book calls Leave. Those can really give a character an additional amount of depth. And besides all the mechanics and lore, is just aesthetically styling, stylish and badass. Mm -hmm. and so that's a great review. And my mom left that review. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom did not say badass. <laughs> but um, be a lot cooler if it was. Right. I agree one hundred percent. Oh yeah, with that, with that. hands down. Thank you. Aesthetically, the book is just pleasing to look at, and then when you start getting into the setting and, and the way you developed and aesthetically the world, not as, not just aesthetically the book, but the aesthetics of the world that you built. Just it's a whole vibe on it, its own. It is so cool. It is so good. So Thank you. So, um, you're not stopping there, are you? Oh, you got other stuff coming. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? That's what it. else I'm can done. I get excited I'm about? We're done. Hands in. <laughs> Quit while you're on Once top. You I retire. Yeah, that's it. Perfection. I'm going out on top. Um, so upcoming. So, I've got more Street Wolf stuff, which I'll talk about the next 
thing that's probably coming out is not related to Savage Worlds or Street Worlds at all. It's uh, called the Wicked Forever King Hungers. It's a really small RPG that's based on lasers and feelings. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with it. That's a one-page RPG. This, This is basically using those rules to make kind of this gritty, dark fantasy type thing that I'm going to do a very small Kickstarter to fund the proofreading and have some potential stretch goals for more content and that sort of thing. And also it's an exercise in, in learning how to do a Kickstarter before I do the Kickstarter for street wolves. So it's going to, you know, not only am I, I get to practice doing something different than I have been doing, but it's also in anticipation of something else. Right. Um, so look for that, um, sign up when when it has the notify me on launch button uh it'll be really cool i've i've been doing a lot of um so with street wolves i did a lot of that photo bashing or altering stock art that's essentially what i'm doing is i'm taking really old art from the 1800s 1700s that sort of stuff and kind of doing some stuff to it to make it scarier you know adding some cool elements and a little color here and there and it's going to look really neat um but that's again more practice for when i need to do that for street wolves again but i know you're excited about street wolves so yes. i won't talk about that one too long um then the next street wolves thing that i have on the plate that's currently in progress is heart of glass it's a standalone adventure uh it's i'm working on it with megan caves of gone rogue entertainment so what I'm doing is I, I'm writing this adventure out. It's a small town, gritty murder mystery. That's There's all these secrets in this town. And so what it is, is it's more like the street wolves are fish out of water. You know, they, you know, they're not, you know, they might not hang out in small towns that often in the middle of Wisconsin. Uh, usually they're, you know, in Miami or New York or something like that. And there's two other things that make it a little more well three things uh the street wolves also have no backup because when it starts they've really screwed up so i ha- i even have a table that says everyone makes a spirit or a, a drive check right and you know if you fail you lose some and then you roll on the table to see what the screw up was if they fail their drive check critically two bad things happen on the table which happened in the first test run, which was glorious. Um, basically, in that one, they injured a civilian and a, a villain killed an innocent person. So when you start off the Street Wolves, you know, the players, you start in the car as they're driving to this this thing they're doing, they're kind of knocked back on their heels. They're all kind of dealing with a little trauma. So there's some things in the table like, you know, even a fellow street wolf had been killed, right? Like, so you might have all be in the car thinking about your partner that was just killed. So, you know, it sounds very sad, and it is, and it's awesome. Uh, and the, and awesome the, to work with Megan Caves, too. That's yeah, and it, so I was just getting to that. She's going to do some acting and recording of... I'm writing these little cassette tapes and working with her is basically the street wolves get a cassette tape and they listen to it. And then it's going to have her 
on it being a character. And then as you go along, you find more of these cassette tapes and they contain clues, but also background information that kind of helps, you know, like if you're playing a, a lot of role playing games, sometimes you might not even know what's going on, you know, all the machinations in the background, but this kind of highlights it a little bit more like, Oh, the, here's the things that had happened and here's who the important player people are. So there's a lot of investigation outside of these tapes because it's you know not a railroad but even if you know some of this stuff it's going to be kind of cool to listen to the, this person talking and you know maybe giving you a few more details so um and i think so i'm working with mike todd aka jurassic todd on twitter mm -hmm. he's been uh messing around with the cover and then uh might have some cool interior art just a little bit and hopefully that'll come out in a few months but like i said i'm working on the uh just testing it now so and right. i have to run through it a few times before so just you know. so I, the old guy here can understand when i purchase this this adventure i'm going to get sound files with it yes oh. so and wow. so megan has these things called adventure bones already like if you look for adventure bones they're kind of like these loose uh i don't know how to say it it's like a framework or, or just something that you can build an adventure around so you buy it and there's like one that's like a, i think a lab i've purchased them but it's been a while since i listened to them um but there's like a lab that something bad happened and then you know you can write your adventure around that and then you can play the sound clips that's how i got the idea for this was i thought her she had a really cool idea i was like well what if we combined you know street wolves and this adventure bones thing into one adventure so yeah it's like street wolves underdogs and we would love to maybe put out an actual cassette tape Oh, that's we'll all i was hoping it was like i want an actual cassette tape yeah i was thinking we'll about that, that too goes. that sounds expensive though like the first hundred people to pre-order get <laughs> cassette tape. well yeah we'll see how that works i i know there's a, a company that you can just have cassette tapes made and i've thought about that for street wolves itself was getting some synthwave artists to do maybe a mixtape and just releasing a tape but you can get super you niche know. and do eight tracks that, yeah. that, that that's a little pre pre though. Yeah. But but you just you you guys just caused a big flashback for me, like the first personal stereo thing that I owned was this Panasonic cassette player, and it was like red and round shaped. The handle was part of it, and just little speakers on the sides. Yeah. Late seventies, early eighties, and that was it. You know. It's like my own little personal boom box walking around took diesel batteries. So most of the time it didn't work at all right. because your parents buy you this thing, but they won't keep you stocked up with batteries. So Jerks. it was before, you know, rechargeable batteries. But yeah, I just remembered that as you were talking about releasing cassettes. I'm like, well, people are going to have to go get cassette players and go to, you know, the antique store or something and pick up a cassette. And it popped into my head. Did it hurt when you thought about cassette players at the antique store? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> painful. Well, I'm kicking myself because I, I had a dual deck cassette player component for like a stereo rack, but 
but I got rid of it because I was like, who needs this? Because that's your dead. <laughs> I don't even. I think we have one thing we got from Goodwill that plays cassettes. But so now I'm gonna have to start looking through Goodwills again so right. I can find something better. But so even yeah, if it's not a functional cassette, just like a decorative cassette, I'd be okay with. <laughs> just want to put up on my wall. Like just well, like... that's I assume is is some people would get it just because they yeah. can have it and not actually play it right. You know, because yeah. like the cases for cassettes have like the really cool like wraparound. Like that would be so cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm off track. Here. We'll see if I can afford the wrapper up part. Yeah, you could sell it with the, like the maintenance pack, a right. pair of tweezers and a pencil. pencil. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. What other stuff are you working on? And if you don't know which one, I want you to talk about next. I'll tell you. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, so we're working on a, potentially a foundry module for VTT stuff. Ooh. I'm working with a high school student in Ruchel who's a really cool kid. I used to work with his mom, and uh, but he's still in high school. So, you know, work is proceeding slowly on that as, you know, we'll meet and talk about it. And it's, it's he's super intelligent, but the thing is, is this is like this completely foreign thing for both of us. So we have to do a lot of research on, you know, what do we have to do? Like, what do we need we made some strides so far. Sorry, I, I just got a Foundry account and I was setting everything up in there. And so, you know, I, I demoed to him like, oh, this is what, because he doesn't play role-playing games. So then that, that was a step is like, okay, so this is what you see when you play a role-playing game. Like <laughs> it's all voice, but you can have maps and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think he has a robotics club thing this weekend, but then he's starting spring break soon. So hopefully we'll, we'll make some more progress on that, but he's great to work with so far. Nice. Um, those are the main things right now. So go ahead, ask me about anything beyond that. Robots future. Oh, the future war. (laughs) So that's on the back burner. Um, it's a mini setting heavily inspired by the terminator hopefully i can't i don't get sued for saying that heavily inspired by the terminator and it's a mini setting meaning it doesn't really have a lot to it it just has enough if you wanted to run savage worlds in a future war world where there's robots out to kill you here's the stats for the robots here's how the humans have set up things i get into some details of different types of what there were like three different professions essentially so you could be just a civilian or part of the military or the third one was gangs that gathered together to survive and you know what those different factions want and how they work but not like you know street wolves details where there's like a 130 page book but it it's more just to give you the tools to run something like that because I really enjoy Terminator and all the other games that take place in the future with, or, or all the other movies that take place in the future with killer robots. Yeah. Uh, the knockoffs, I guess, would be. Um, but I think that's a setting that is very limited. So therefore that my setting would be very small too, because it's like, how long can you play as a struggling person on the verge of extinction? You know, I don't yeah. know how long. Depends on how lethal the robots go. are. 
Well, just, they're very lethal. They're not long. <laughs> they're very. So just kind of on a whim, PV took the the uh, Savage World set of rules, threw some stuff on top of it, and him and I and a, and a couple of friends, we just played this Killer Robots of the Fury. I had a blast. I'm like, yeah. you know, and it was just kind of on a whim, right? It's like, well, let's see if we can throw this on a Savage World uh, mechanics, and it, it worked out really well. Enjoyed One of it. my favorite things was the naked oh that guy was naked right like he comes there was a big explosion he walks out and he says i am a human resistant soldier right. <laughs> you know like you just kept insisting that he was one of you and yeah. even after like half of his skin was gone he was he was claiming to this be invention human is very soldier. human yeah. i'm a very normal human <laughs> very normal human. that was that was a really fun part of the game the worst yeah. part of that game was that my lost love that I've been searching for throughout the whole adventure turns out is a robot. Dun, dun, dun. Which is weird because we did things. Right. <laughs> wow. We don't know the backstory of that, though. So there's. There and I really don't want to know. <laughs> I'm just we telling you. have to play that through. So. Yes, I, I just had a, a, a blast with that. So even as a, a more of a, a smaller uh, undertaking than, than Street Wolves. I'd love for you to do something like that. I think a lot of people have I feel like this it. whole little segment was not like part of the interview. This was you just very trying to casually yeah. just like, so can we, we play, play that again? That? That, that was it. I'm busted. Shameful. <laughs> yeah, I think as I knock some of these other things, so Wicked Forever King Hungers is one of the big ones. And then, you know, the VTT and the, this adventure so I had released a plan during my launch party where there was probably eight things on it. And so the robot one was definitely on the list. It's just like number six, right? You know, it's, yeah. I got, I got to get through these other things before I give it back to that. So it sounds epic. I'm excited for that. Oh, sorry. So I got one more question for you. Maybe if, if you were me and I was you, what question would you, me, ask me, you? Because you really want me, you, to know what you, me, think about it. I'm really confused. I literally don't know. This is. <laughs> I'm just. Okay, so basically, what question even. would you have wanted us to ask you that we didn't? <laughs> right, but if you get this question correct, then there's a new, uh, new edge, and um, what are the bad things called again? Uh, Hindrance. Hindrance, right. right. It's uh, it's it's the insane logic. It yeah. can be either an edge or a hindrance. Depending on <laughs> no. how you employ it. <laughs> insane <Exactly>. logic. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't really have. I mean, you, you guys have asked me a lot of questions that I like. So, I mean, I've got to throw some plugs in there, talk about my stuff. You know, that's always valuable. <laughs> well, it is a great book you, yeah it is obvious how much uh, work you put into it and thank you it, it, it's a lot of fun to play would love to uh oh, yeah. you know hopefully nobody beats us to the punch but maybe we could be the first actual play of the included adventure in the uh in the core book okay. i'm gonna cross my fingers for you <laughs> but don't turn Those, anybody down if they say right. they want to play it. <laughs> yeah. I like both kinds of actual plays. I like ones that have that are all original because it's fun to see what somebody's interpretation of the thing is. But I also like 
the actual plays that do the published material because that's one thing that I would watch when I was thinking about running Delta Green games was, well, what happens in it, you know, and then you can watch. And then the alternate is if you've played through it, then you can watch another group do it and see what they've done differently than you. Oh, you weren't which I supposed to kill that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, wait, that was behind that door? We didn't I even go that. in that room. Damn it. Exactly. So <laughs> They didn't even have one jet ski scene. Like, this is not a good actual <laughs> yeah. play. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, water chase scene. That's my favorite uh, thing we've done in the last year easily. Well, hey, P PV, thanks for, for joining yes, us sir. and talking us uh, through the creation process and letting us just geek out with you on the cool things uh, that are in this book. Tell everybody again where they can find you, where they can go buy this thing, mm -hmm. and uh, any of your socials well, you, you want to share. You can find me on the degrading social media site Twitter, <laughs> uh, Tablecat Games. Uh, there's also the website tablecatgames.com where you can buy the book or you can get it on itch or drive through RPG. So and there's also a mailing list on tablecatgames.com. Oh, see, you know what? I'll give plug, you a Benny John. for that. Yeah, Benny. you get an extra Benny. Get a Benny. Yeah, if you join the mailing lists, I'll be eternally grateful and love you forever for because <laughs> it's it's so good to have a mailing list. Like I said, you know, Twitter's degrading and the, like you know some social media's sites might get shut down by the u.s government or you don't know what's happening as long as you have your own mailing list it's like okay you know i have this core group of people that are very special to me that i can send little messages and say hey check this thing out or you know here's a discount or something like that so i highly Plus encourage you... getting on the mailing list because you are very judicious with your use of that mailing list you know some mailing lists you get on and it's like every day there's something in there um, you're very deliberate and judicious about the use of it, so it doesn't get spammy. It's like when you get something, yeah. it's like, oh, I want to see what what is right. what's Tablecat Games got going now. So, I'm trying to limit it to sales notices, like, oh, there's a sale on this thing, or mostly, you know, here's a new thing coming up or is out right now. Um, and also, if you join the mailing list, you get access to the Bubbles archetype is played by Cassie Mothwin on the Crossroads AP. So if you are a completist and need all the Street Wolves things that are available out there, then join the mailing list. You can get, you know, it's listed on my website because there's like a technical thing where it's listed on my website. $500. $500. <laughs> and if you want to pay $500, I will, you know, I will revenue share that with Carrie and Cassie. <laughs> um, but, uh, you can also get a hundred percent discount by joining them. One hundred percent discount. You can't beat that. Yeah. Off a five hundred dollar product. It's get one free, get one it's free. Five hundred dollar value. <laughs> so that is awesome. Uh, any parting comments or questions, John or Emily? I want to play Street Wolves. I know. I'm, yeah, I'm all jazzed up now. So I wanted to ask you about taxes because we all know that's oh. why we're here no. and no. No. <laughs> Roll the cutscenes. I'll, I'll just say I didn't have to pay any this last for this last year's taxes because I didn't sell anything really. It's this next set of taxes that I'm like really nervous about. So. Well, I hope that you have to pay a lot of taxes. That's because that, <laughs> you're. Well, that would have mean you made a lot of revenue. Right? 
Oh, okay. You I thought you, meant, you know, it would help the economy and the government. No, I want no, you to bust into higher and higher tax brackets <laughs> because of how wonderful the game well. is up. and everybody's buying it. All right, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We are Percentile Vice. Our special guest, Paul Vincent of Table Cat Games, the creator, author, producer, designer, and everything of uh, Street Wolves, the uh, tabletop role-playing game. Go check out. It is awesome. Thanks, everybody.